0: Before you sit down, uh, we're going to say hello to him. Lord Jesus, we, we honor your name above all other names. And we ask that the words that are spoken this morning, the actions that are taken, the thoughts in our mind will bring honor to you. Because we ask this, because of what you have done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, you can take your seats. One good thing about this morning is um, that Pastor Dave and Faye have got a day off. So uh, they're an amazing couple and they work so hard and they they, they deserve a break. So although it's um, when Dave asked me to speak uh, a month ago, I was trying to think what to, what to speak on. And uh, I was reading through the book of Zephaniah and I thought this was just fantastic. It would be wonderful for the church to hear this. But as I delved in it more and more, I realized it was for me and a few close friends, not for you. So, as it, as it went on, I was thinking, what do you want me to say, Lord? And when I, I, I thought back about what David had been speaking over the last few months, he was talking about salvation, righteousness, and judgment. Three attributes of God, salvation, righteousness, and judgment. Justification. So, what do I know about that? What is uh, so? I asked myself the question: Is that what's what's the Christian life about? What what are we what are we called to do? Yes, we're born again, we're spirit filled, but, but why? What's the what's the purpose of it? And um, I started to ponder this. And I look at you, I don't know, what would there be, 80, 100 of us maybe here? And you're all very unique. You're all very unique. There is no one like you. So what we're looking at this morning is uniqueness, the broken mold. Uniqueness, the broken mold. Now, I've got rather, um, for for those of you that know me, I got a rather odd way of thinking, Uh, I picture things uh, and blurt them out, and uh, it doesn't always come out, what's what's he talking about? So, for me, I get lots of visions and pictures, so illustrations are always good for me, so I thought, right, I will give you an illustration what my head is thinking, relating (laughs) to uniqueness. Okay, here we are then, we're on the Christian production line, right? So we're going along the production line, we come to the end, and here's a big hand that comes down at the end of the rollers and smashes the mold that we are in, and the mold goes into a thousand pieces, and what do we see? A nice, new, bright and shining Christian. Lovely, not touched, not contaminated by anything, is l- nice and clean, smart, ready to go. So what then happens is that we're given a production data sheet handed to us. And the first on the top, it says product description, saved, redeemed, and justified follower of Jesus Christ, son of the living God. That's a good description, isn't it? Then, it's got a manufacture date. 11.45, Sunday, the 6th of June, 2021. Then there is a product code. Because I notice with all these new, squeaky clean Christians, they've got this little mark on their forehead. You know? And the product code is REV 7.3. That's our product code. So I thought, well, R-E-V, I know what that means, revelation. So looking at that, here we have, okay, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. I've got no concern about the mark of the beast. (laughs) I've already got my own mark here. So, then it goes on, on on the production sheet, it says, place of manufacture, heaven. Then it goes on, we have another sheet, which says, instructions. So the newborn again Christian is handed an instruction leaflet, right then boys, read this. And it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, fine. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out demons. Take care of widows and orphans. Love your neighbor as yourself. For more details, refer to Maker's Handbook. (laughs) Then, in our pack, we have a guarantee certificate. And this certificate is got on there, period of cover. 11.45, Sunday, the 6th of June, 2021, forever. And then we have a delivery note with an address on, or your addresses. So off we run. We all clamber into the Jesus Cares vans. Off we go to be delivered home, wherever that is. So the Jesus Cares van pulls outside my house, open the door, and I go in. And I stand in the middle of my room, and I thought, now what? And then a voice comes from heaven saying, Paul, you have been made for such a time as this. Paul, you have been made for such a time as this. That's for you. That is for you. So let's look at a few few of the disciples to give us an illustration of... uh, the, being, this is, this is pre-Christian conveyor belt, pre-Christian uh, product, okay? We're going to look at one of the people that Jesus chose to be one of his followers, and his name was Simon Peter, he had a brother called Andrew. They had a, a fishing business uh, on the Sea of Galilee at Capernaum, which was going to turn out to be Jesus' main um, missionary center. Okay, now when we look at Peter, he w- this is him pre-production line. He was impulsive, spoke without thinking, impatient, a people pleaser, reacted from extreme emotions, an ideas man but lack in timing, always wanted to be head of the pack and first in the queue. <laughs> so you would think, well, a man like that, why would Jesus choose someone? Because if we look back on the, the, Peter's life, okay, the transfiguration, Jesus is there glowing radiance in white clothes, and one side is Elijah, the other side is Moses, and a voice from heaven comes, this is my son, whom I am well pleased, of who I love. What happens next? Peter jumps to his feet. He cannot keep quiet. See, Peter detests silence. If there's a silence, he's got to say something. He cannot keep quiet. So what does he say in the middle of all this? God has spoken. Peter jumps up and said, can I make you a tent? Now, I don't think that was really on Jesus' list at that moment. But you see, he couldn't help himself. Another example is um... Jesus, that Jesus told the disciples to go to the other side of the lake And he would meet them there. So off they go. This is between three and six o'clock in the morning. It was still dark. They were rowing across. And uh, Jesus appears walking on the water. And they thought it was a ghost. So they were frightened. But Jesus said, don't worry. It's me. Now who stands up in the middle of the boat? Peter. Peter. If it's you, Jesus, call me into the boat. So, over the side he goes. Over the side, there he is walking on water. Okay? The, the week before Jesus uh, is crucified, he's uh, saying, I'm going to be uh, killed uh, by wicked men. I am going to die and going to raise from the dead. And everyone is going to leave me. Who's the first to speak? Peter. Not me, Lord. Not me. I won't won't leave you. If everybody else does, I will be there with you. And I will die if need be. Jesus says to him, Peter, you will deny me three times before the croc, whatever it is, the cock crows. So what we can see here is that Peter was full of promises, full of great ideas, but couldn't carry them through because it was pre-production line. So, see, God had to show him about his characteristics that needed modifying. So, Peter knew that that he'd messed up. He'd messed up. So here is, the, here is the love of Jesus for this man. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciple did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net to the right of the side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were able to draw in, they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we'll talk about later on, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Well done, Peter. See, there, there, there was parts of Peter that was, he just so loved Jesus he was so in love with Jesus, but he had no balance in his life. None whatsoever. So I want you to look at this, uh, this image. Those of you that have been to Israel with us many times, this is the traditional site where Jesus prepared the breakfast for the disciples on here at this very place. And this is from John 21, 17 to 19. And he said to them, said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said the third time, do you love me? And he, Peter, said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he, Peter, would glorify God. This man with all these character defects was going to be used to to glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. See, who... Was the first one when they were all the, the disciples were all together in one place and the Holy Spirit came on? They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Who was the first one that was out into the temple courts preaching the gospel? Peter, see his character of being impulsive. I'm going to be first in the queue. God used. In this new person of Peter. So what happened when Peter goes into the temple? 3,000 people got saved and baptized. See the instruction manual. Go and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he's doing it straight away. So what we're finding out now. That God will use your flaws. Your... Odd way of looking at the world, the the odd way that you think, and mold it into this saved, redeemed, and justified unique person. Let's have a look. So, Peter's unique calling to lead the newly born church, to make Jerusalem its center, and ultimately to be a missionary to the Gentiles. Two other guys. Right, these, these, uh, these are James and John. They lived in a place called Bethsaida, which is about five, five miles northeast of Capernaum. They were fishermen, but they were a pair of roughnecks. They were roughnecks, right? Hardened guys, hardened guys. Uh, and they were known as the Sons of Thunder. We'll explain why that is later on. Uh, you don't get a nickname like that for, uh, for no reason. Now, when they were with Jesus and they went to a village in uh, Samaria and the villagers rejected what Jesus was uh, saying. So, our guys, James and John, come out with this classic, right? Would you like us to call down fire and thunder on these people? Now, that is not the attitude of a compassionate, born-again Christian. So, there are aspects of Peter and John that were forthright, uh, they enjoyed confrontation. They've really enjoyed confrontation, but God knew this. So when Jesus was about to his, his last uh, week on, on Earth, uh, he said that we're going to be, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to raise from the dead after three days. Now, you would think that that being spoken about would be the center of the conversation. Nobody would dare interrupt Jesus. But <laughs> here are the boys. The boys step up to the mark and they say, This is to Jesus, he just told them he's about to die. You know, Jesus is not really enjoying the week that he is going to be living. And they, they say to him, Grant us that we may sit on your right hand and the other on our left in your glory. They were looking for a high position. These guys just said what they thought. I mean, I've named them the Joe Blunt brothers uh, because that was what they did. They said what was in their head and spoke it out. Now, what made John... The man that he was, if you understand what I've just explained to you. He was given the book of John that he wrote. And he says right from the beginning, Jesus was. Fact. No messing around. In the beginning, he was with God. You don't argue with John. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Nothing was made that, that was not made. You. You. You are the ones that he's talking about here. So, what we can see here from John, he stated specifically about who Jesus was. Now, he was to become a surrogate son and protector of Jesus' mother Mary. Now, Jesus knew that John would be very forthright, very protective. He knew that he would look after his mother. When he was on the cross, he said, son, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. That's it, handing over responsibility, and he knew that he could trust John to do it. He was uniquely given the huge responsibility to write the book of Revelation, prophesying signs of the end of the age, Jesus' final return in glory, and to rule and reign from Jerusalem. The final judgment and the new heaven. So, if we look at Revelation 22, 20. He who who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. See, John. John had to be the kind of man, the unique man, that could take that vision, and interpret it, and express it in a way that there was no doubt. There was no doubt what was going to happen. So, just going on to one more, one more guy, Paul. Paul was a, a Roman citizen. He he was from Jewish parents. He lived in Tarsus, which is uh, southeastern Turkey as it is today. He was a Pharisee and a very intelligent, well-educated, brilliant scholar of Jewish scriptures and the teachings of Judaism. But he was a bigot. He was a bigot, self-opinionated, all right? How can God use that? How would He use that kind of character? He was zealous in his persecution of followers of Jesus by encouraging imprisonment and execution of believers now with a, this one one guy all right, we, we are unique it's like every one of us is unique, and i 'm trying to explain that as we go on there 's this one man that God speaks to, and his name was. Ananias. Now, we only hear about Ananias in this one chapter in Acts of the Apostles. And this is what God said to him. Ananias, go to Straight Street in Damascus. Very specific. Go to a house that is owned by, uh, what was his name? Judas. And there will be a man there called Saul. Saul. I want you to pray for him, lay hands on him, just like the instructions, lay hands on him, and give him this message. Now, this is, this is Ananias' response, and I do understand. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. That is some calling, isn't it? You know, they knew what Saul was like. Ananias goes along, prays for him. You know the story. Told him that he would have to go to speak to the Gentiles. We never hear another word about Ananias. Not another word. Unique. A unique calling for one purpose, as far as the Bible goes. One purpose and one purpose only, to speak to Paul. My gosh. You say, say he lived 80 years. 70 years. Right? Does that mean he's going 80 years of life to do one task? Well, according to the Bible, that's right. So we can see that God is specifically picking people and putting characteristics in them to use in a special way. All these men were transformed through salvation, righteousness, and justification. God created a pre-planned individual mold which made them unique, made you unique, specific for their calling and development of their character. If we look at the, uh, the word unique, it's being without a like or equal. Lots of you here. Being without a like or equal. Able to be distinguished from all others of its class or type. The only one of its kind, unlike anything else or anyone else. Hmm. See, some of these old human traits were refashioned to make them unique. There's there's an old-fashioned word, which I said I didn't even understand, which was called sanctified. Now, sanctified means to set apart for a special use or purpose the state or process, the process of being set apart, to free from sin, being, being made holy. In modern terms, we would say, work in progress. Oh, yes, definitely that. Now, here's one guy. How many of us are thinking, oh, um, I'm not good enough for this. Uh, if, if, only I could re- if, if only I understood the Bible like so-and-so. If I only had the confidence to preach the gospel on the street corner. If I only had the confidence to be able to confront people that say, Jesus is the devil. How do I deal with that? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Dangerous. Very dangerous. There's this one man who is unique. And his name is Billy Graham. A unique man, probably the greatest evangelist of our time, who preached to more people than all the total world population at the time of Jesus. Wow. So, are we going to be a Billy Graham? I doubt it. I certainly won't. I about you. But God chose Billy Graham for this time. Let's have a look at this image. There we are. Being a, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. Isn't this encouraging? You know, so encouraging. Because, you see, we live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a period of time with, with the religion of image and status. You're bombarded Social media saying, you should look like this. You should have teeth like this. You should have eyebrows like this. You should have hair like this. You should be this tall. You should be that tall. You should eat this. You should exercise. You could do all kinds of things. The adverts come in and say, you've got to do this. You've got to do, you know, you you, 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 you understand. We've got celebrity status. You've got to look like him. You've got to be able to dance like him. You've got to be able to do whatever. But the point is, is that, that is conditioning us to be like the world. We are not of this world. We are unique from a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let's have a look at this um, next image. Anybody know where this is? Yeah, it is. You got it, yeah. Many of you, again, have have Sat in this place, you've cried in it. You know, imagine what Jesus went through in this place. Right? These these olive trees, that you know, the pre, previous generation may have actually been the trees that Jesus wept against. That is what makes this place unique. But what was the point of what Jesus was saying? He had he had 24 hours to live, and this is what he says. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. He will do the sanctifying. I'm not the man that I will be, but I'm far better than I was last week. Because I am being sanctified. Now, (sighs) I want to go... Unless this becomes personal. Excuse me, when I put the mic down, I've got a dry throat. One minute. The water of life. (laughs) So if I then make this personal, you see, I was brought up as an only child. Just after the war, my parents were struggling to make ends meet. I was the only, only child, and I was on my own quite a lot. So I became familiar with the aloneness. Not lonely, aloneness. And what was happening, as I was growing up, I was, I was, uh, I was in and out of a hospital with anxiety attacks, uh, all kinds of... Uh, I, I was a weird kid. I was a really weird kid. But as I grew up, uh, I would go off on my own. Get, you know, At the age of 10, I would get the, get the train from Bristol, and I'd go to Bath to do fishing for the day. You know, a 10-year-old on his own. And I'd come home at 8 o'clock at night, from the fishing tackle in wherever, straight to bed. That was the life I had. So what happened, I then started to make up life as I thought it should be, from my own ideas, from my own concept, from what I thought. Now, it was very mixed up very mixed up so what as i was getting older i was making some really bad decisions really stupid decisions as it went on i uh, i started uh, i found this chemical which was quite good called alcohol and i started drinking this stuff and i felt good you know know, a, a pint went down and a hand grenade went off in my stomach it was that exciting right? So I drank more, and it turned into a habit, and I drank more, and the habit turned into addiction, and I drank more, and I turned into being an alcoholic. My liver packed up, my eyes had gone yellow, and I had scales growing over my eyes because of my kidneys not working and my liver not working. I'd bloomed up to 16 stone of lard. Uh, my emotions were all over the place. I was causing chaos. Um, I was the elite of the mentally deranged. <laughs> and I was finding fault in everybody. I was I was, sociopath. I was a sociopath. I had a complete inability to identify with anybody's hurt. I had no care for anybody's uh, sadness. Selfish to the degree, this is what Alcar was doing to me, and also my own character, until I got to a place where I contemplated killing myself, going to the suspension bridge to kill myself, obviously I didn't. Now, I was introduced to two men. Uh, one was called Robert Smith, and the other guy was Bill Wilson. And they helped me to stop drinking. And from that moment on, I started to move forward. But the day came when I was on the production line. And what good, what good could God do with this broken character? See, what you understand is that I, been. How can I explain it? When I do something, I can only do one thing. So if I study something or read the Bible and study it, I can't do anything else. So I'm so focused on this. Now what that does, that would then, it sometimes puts me out as, he's a bit serious, isn't he? He's a bit intense. You know but you see, that's what God, God has sent me. Paul, study that. I've got a plan for you to deliver that to a group of people when you take them to Israel next year. Now, you see what it is, I am also my wife and Trish and Barry will call me blunt, because I say, I say what is going on inside. I can't I used to be where it said, "If my lips were moving, I was lying. All right? But that was how it used to be. It's not as it is today. So that gives you an idea of how God can mold the people that we are. When God created the earth, for the first five days, the last word he would say at the end of the day, and it is good. It is good. He made the stars. He made the water. He made the land. He made the plants. He made the animals. He made everything. And it is good. Now, God loves planet Earth. He doesn't love everything that's going on in it. I can assure you of that. But he loves planet Earth. And he wants a place on this planet where his presence can rest. So he's got a great love for the, the world. So where is this place then that he has chosen for his presence to be? There, are, there is a group of people. See, he, God uses individuals, nations, and people groups. What makes the Jews and Israel so unique? What makes them so unique is that God is using them to further his plan of redemption for the human race. It's what Dave's speaking about, salvation and redemption. They are being used for this. So if we then look at, that's what his plan, he's going to have a place on earth where he can flood the earth with redemption. Where is this place? How important it is. 2 Chronicles six. 6. <clears throat> yet I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel, the land. Let's look at this people. They call themselves stiff neck rebellions. Poor, oh, that's me, boy. stiff neck rebellions, pre-Christian conveyor belt. Right? So let's, let's see what God is talking about the people. The people. Exodus nineteen five. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be to me a special treasure to me above all people. Not some people, not the majority of people, all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Special. Forget what the news says. Don't believe that. What does this say? What does this say about the Jewish people in the land of Israel? Now it then goes on, Isaiah 40 verse verse three. "You are my servant, O Israel." in whom i will be glorified will be not might be and i'll only do it if you're good boys this is not what he's saying he has a plan he has a unique calling and then in zechariah 8:23 thus says the lord of hosts this is serious stuff serious stuff In those days, future tense, 10 men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Gosh, don't mess with them. Don't mess with them. So, if any of you are interested in knowing a bit more about Israel, the Jewish people, and the plans for the future, whatever, in the um, maybe autumn or when we we'll come out of lockdown, we're going to be starting a bi-monthly Encounter Israel evening, where we will be teaching this and going through Scripture and explaining. You will, we will find that quite useful. So that will be announced later on. So, what we have seen, what we have seen from all of this is that God creates unique people. Now, if I'd, have, if I'd have asked you at the beginning of this, do you think you're special? What would, you, what would have come into your mind? Well, I suppose I am. Um, and if I was to say, would you say that you are uniquely called What's the, I'm not sure about that. I'll, I'll, I'll need to ponder that over. Well, I hope that what you've learned this morning, you are. You are unique. Now, the things that you will be called to do, you will not be able to do it in your own strength. You will not. Don't, you may try because you love Jesus and I want, you, I want to please him, but I'm telling you, you won't do it. Jesus said, I will send you a helper who will teach you all things. Now, the Holy Spirit can use characteristics within me that should have been sent to hell when I was pre-production line. But God says, no, I can use you. You see, God knows that I am not always the flavor of the month. I know that. Because I can be very intense, very forthright, uh, and I don't mess about. I am blunt, but God has made me that way. And I, I, you know, I say, I am six foot one with no hair, and I've not got the body of Ronnie Coleman. All <laughs> right? This is how I am. And the point being is that I can accept me. Does that sound arrogant? To the world, yes. To the Holy Spirit, no. He's saying, come on, Paul, more of this. Because it is giving him glory, not Paul with the big head that couldn't get through the front door before I was a believer. So what we're going to look at now is that The mold God used to make you unique is broken. Never again will there be a person made like you. Never. There is only one you for a reason. Not just to be a husband to a wife or a wife to a husband or a child to a mother or whatever it may be. Unique. See, I am not... How can I put this? I am not what I am because of what my wife is. I am what I am because of what he has made me. And through that, he has given my, me my wife to be a helper for me so that my wife, in her unique way, can say to me, Paul, you're an idiot. You know, when, it, when are you going to grow up? you know when are you going to start behaving like a, like a grown up because that is how we are with each other we have a great deal of fun because we've got this ability to accept ourselves and be honest when my wife says to me why don't you grow up i don't go off on one <laughs> i laugh my head off because she's right She is right. There's this this 74-year-old man that acts like a 10-year-old sometimes. But the last scripture, the last scripture is Ephesians 2.20. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Gosh, does that make it clear how unique you are? I go back to this. If you start running yourself down because you're not good enough, that is going against what God says about you. That is sin. It is self centered sin. I'm not good enough. No, you're not good enough. Quite right. He is. So let's, let's see what we can, we can stand up bold. Don't, this is, this, is, this is an illustration. Don't live your Christian life like this. You know, don't. Live like this. Live like this. Because you're a special people. And Mark Twain summed this up so well. And he said, The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. What a comment. So I hope today that maybe you found out why you are. When you look in the mirror, don't look at the fact that you've got no hair or a big nose, right? See what you have been called to do. Ask him to show you what you're going to See, I know that Hillary and myself have been called to introduce Israel and the Jewish people to King's Church Newport. That's our calling. We have committed our life to this. We've had to sell our house because of anti-Semitism. People tr- threatening to burn our house down. We've had to move. It's gone to court. It's been awful. And, you know, anti-Semitic slurs against us. But we know that that is what God has called us to do. So if any of you want to know who this, uh, this amazing Jesus is, and what he can do through you. It's, it's quite simple. For you, maybe, the watching online, is that it can start with a simple acknowledgement it isn't all about you. You know, it's not. It's, it starts with a simple prayer of acknowledging that we can't, but he can, so I'll let him. So I'm going to say a prayer... You just say it in your heart if you want to, and what what this will do, it it will put you on the Christian conveyor belt. You are going to come off on the end, this unique creation. You don't even need to close your eyes. You know, you can, you can even stand up, sit down, lie down your bed, whatever. So this is, this is what. Say it in your heart, dear Lord Jesus. I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to go on like this anymore i know i sin i know i mess up i know my behavior is wrong my thoughts are wrong i know and i take it on belief that you died on the cross to set me free i repent of my sin i acknowledge my need to repent so i ask you lord jesus come into my heart save me make me new. Make me unique like you pre-planned it to be. I ask you now as I surrender myself to you, in Jesus' name, amen.